I hear the surgeon say, most likely you will be paralyzed. And being in sales, I heard most likely as translating to, you're not going to survive. But given those visions, doctor, when I wake up, I fully expect to be well. From the sunny palms of Los Angeles, this is Bully Buster, the podcast where Rhonda Orr speaks with guests battling the bully culture. Listen to real stories and find real solutions using Rhonda's Triangle of Triumph, going from victim to survivor to leader. Rhonda is an award-winning executive trainer, columnist, and speaker. She's also served as the founder of two nonprofits addressing child abuse and bullying. Now, here's Rhonda. Welcome back to Bully Buster, Episode 18. I am so fortunate to have Eleanor Stutz join me today as my guest. Eleanor breaks barriers and records everywhere she goes. She's the author of several best-selling books, starting with her first one titled, Nice Girls Do Get the Sale, Relationship Building That Gets Results. You know, I just finished reading it. The pearls from decades of Eleanor selling in a man's world are still relevant today. I can see why her book is considered evergreen. It's an international bestseller and was featured in Time magazine. Eleanor has decided to forge ahead with her skills, foresight, and bravery to continually help women. She is a popular inspirational speaker. Eleanor's mom and dad were great training coaches, with her mom telling her to always be nice to everyone. Check. She had the highest sales by far amongst the men she worked with. Eleanor's dad said, never allow anyone to count you out. Check. Check. Bullies were great training for Eleanor, too, because she learned to listen, observe, and you're not going to believe this, ask questions. When the meanness took over, she would match their effort and up at a level to end the bullying. Please join me today and let Eleanor sail into your heart with her corporation, Smooth Sail. Hello, Eleanor. Welcome. I'm so glad to have this opportunity to talk with you today because I feel like we're kindred spirits. You know, Eleanor, I was thinking about what you said about men and how they tried to get rid of you. They wanted to make you quit. So what specifically did they do to keep you out? Uh, The question is, what didn't they do? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What I was referring to was my first job in sales. I wasn't wanted. And I cornered the sales director into hiring me. I repeated back his words. I didn't know it, but I'm an authentic salesperson in that it just intuitively comes to me. And I know how to get my point across without any arm twisting. I just want to put it out there for the audience. I'm left-handed and green-eyed. It apparently affects my thinking. And we're a very tiny percentage of the population that has those two qualities. So, Well, we do have matching eye color. Yes. (laughs) I want to find out what that means because I just got certified as a personality assessment evaluator. Going back to these men, because I think about my first corporate job as an executive trainer, I was in a cosmetics company, Lancaster, that was used by Princess Grace, and the clean room, 
Oh, it was clean. Or the Scientific Research and Development Institution was in Monaco. And so I got to go to the clean room, and I was stunned by the fact that there were only men in this department, in this cosmetic company. And in fact, there were mostly men who ran the cosmetic companies. So that was like 30 years ago. What did you do to make men accept you? Well, it sounds very similar. I was the pioneer saleswoman. Uh, I was expected to fail because I was just another dumb female. And so they didn't permit me training. And you know what? I've come to learn that our obstacles are sometimes our gifts in disguise. The training boiled down to, here's a script, memorize it, you'll do great. Well, the opposite's true, as we all know. No two people think alike. So I went out. I didn't know what I was selling. It was business equipment, never used it, never touched it. An unknown brand, and I was supposed to sell it against Xerox. So you can imagine... The statistics against me for becoming successful, below zero, I think. (laughs) There aren't too many graphs that go below zero. I know something I really like about you is that you're decisive. So if they don't want me here, that's not okay. I think the great thing is for women to learn that if you make the decision that you're going to be successful and they're going to have to accept you, then that's exactly what you did, Eleanor. But you were the pioneer. Oh, I was. And given I didn't know anything about what I was selling or how to sell officially, (laughs) it was the old days of knocking on doors in business territories. Whenever I was invited in, I'd ask them why they invited me in so I'd know what to continue doing. And I would ask them how they chose their career so I might choose a better one after that job. And I just got to know them. I just had fun-filled <laughs> conversations. So guess what happened? They kept inviting me back and back. Finally, the CEO at each company told that employee of theirs, you better buy something from Eleanor. We're going to fire you because you're wasting valuable company time. I didn't even know to bring in a brochure. So I finally had to confide to the manager that I needed help and he better come with me. But I warned him, keep your mouth shut because I conduct conversations very differently than you do. (laughs) There you go again. And he said, okay. And the fourth month, I seriously didn't know anything about the copier. I didn't know how to sell, but I was the top producer. And then the games got ugly. Obviously, they did not expect that from a girl. Oh, because I did everything incorrectly. (laughs) I remember a few companies giving me scripts, and I'm not going to name big names, but it was ridiculous. Even as an award-winning trainer, they tried to give us scripts, and I thought, you cannot educate anyone with a script. You know, you might as well just make a film, say what you want to say, and nobody learns anything. Talk about creating relationships is the thing that has to happen, right? Exactly. Later on, when I became a trainer myself, I said, you have to connect with your mind and your heart. And once people get that, they respect you, they like you, and then you differentiate yourself from everybody else in the field. 
and they become your loyal supporters. Even better, they become your sales team in disguise because they start telling everybody about you. Oh, I have a funny story. It was my third job and I was assigned to new territory. And I was excited because one company I had successfully sold to at my previous jobs. I thought, oh, this is a cinch. Boy, was I wrong. The guard greeted me at the door. He had two guns at either hip. Oh, wow. And, and this was long ago before guns were popular. And he said, don't ever return here. You understand? I said, yes, sir. And I ran to my car and I thought, oh, my God, I'm new on the job. I have to go back. He knows that that's on my scorecard. What am I going to do? But meanwhile, I had previously been taught on that first job that during the holidays, go to Costco, get a gigantic bag of miniature candy bars and hand them out to everybody you meet. So I had them in the back of my car because Halloween was coming up. <laughs> There I was in the parking lot, knowing he had two guns at his side, and he threatened me never to show my face again. I'm thinking, what the heck am I going to do? Took <laughs> 10 minutes. I got out of the car. I grabbed a candy bar, and the adrenaline was at an all-time high. I'm not suggesting you do this, but it is a good story. So it was a huge, almost like a barrier to the mint very heavy doors. I swung it open with all my might, and I don't know what possessed me. I wound up my arm as if I was going to pitch a baseball, and I threw it with all my might toward the guard. Oh, wow. And I was expecting to hear gunshots. I was just frozen. <laughs> and you'll never guess what happened. What? Tears started coming down his cheek. And I, I stepped up a little closer, and I heard him mumble, Nobody ever gave me anything before. I had shivers up my spine. You know, that gave me shivers. I have them now just for calling it. And then he said, I bet you want the names of all the people in the building. I, and I shook my head. I was still afraid to speak. He said, here's my little black book. Don't tell a soul. Go in the ladies' room. Copy down all the names and numbers you want. Just promise to give it back to me. I said, you've got it. Oh. And I did that. Gave it back to him. Ran back to the car to get more candy bars and gave it to him and thanked him. And then I started calling, and the people I called said, oh, my God, how did you get past that guard? We've been so bored. Nobody's been able to come in over a year. That's so sweet. He just needed the right kind of attention and some love. Everybody does. That, that was the lesson I learned. People don't care about you, and certainly that they don't care about your product unless you actually genuinely and authentically show them that you do care. I think that too many times, especially women who feel like they have a barrier already, it's all more about them and their personality and actually dissing to them instead of relating. Exactly. In fact, there was another account where it was the city, a city in Silicon Valley. Uh, the manager wanted to know what I was proposing. He said, are you crazy? They're not going to spend that kind of money. I said, just sit back and wait. <laughs> so <laughs> I had made friends with everybody in all the departments, and I was going to go meet the uh, district manager. 
So I went into his office and, you know, I learned to say something nice about the office or look for pictures and hobbies. There was nothing. It was in the basement, all cement. It was ugly. And believe me, you didn't even want to sit down in that office. But lo and behold, on his desk was the picture of a horse. To my shock, the only question I could think of was, what's the name of your horse? (laughs) He started talking about his horse and how he wanted to retire. And he went on for half an hour. And then he said, you don't even have to tell me about your equipment. Everybody here likes you. I'm going to buy from you. And he bought for the whole city. You know what, Eleanor? He trusted you. And you have that way about you. I mean, there's nothing phony. It's just pure authenticity. And people don't understand what that word really means. What does it mean? They don't get it that it can actually be included in the sales <laughs> profession. Because <laughs> they think of sales people as strong-arming you and making you buy what you don't want. I never do that. It's about building the relationship. You find out what's important to the prospect first, what their perspectives are, what their experiences have been. And then you know how to apply what you have to their interests. And if you can't, you don't see the connection, then you say, thank you for your time and walk out. But you don't try to force something on somebody. That's the last thing you should ever do. I know so many people, I would try to train them to that. You're honest. You have integrity. I loved your story about your dad, that he was the greatest trainer you could ever have. Why was that? That's true. He was an avid sports watcher, and every evening he'd turn on the TV, and his proudest moments were when the team slated to lose won. And he said, there you go again. Don't ever let anyone put you down, demand you quit, or tell you you can't do it or it's impossible, because there's always a way around, and you just have to figure out the strategy on how to move forward. And that's what the team did, and that's why they won. And I heard that every single night of my childhood. I think a sales team is an education team. And the more you talk about them, each other, and you educate each other in who you are, you can start feeling that trust develop. And I always say that you have to feel well enough about yourself to forget yourself and do the things that matter the most. And the two things that matter the most in life are creating healthy relationships and serving someone, serving as in even a smile. Oh, here's another good one that just came to mind. I was in the middle of a disaster. We had moved to a city and I was doing great at the Chamber of Commerce. I was training. They loved what I had to say. But somebody who had been there prior to me was envious that I was getting the traction and she was losing her. So she had me kicked out. And she was telling everybody that my information was ridiculous. You know, you begin to question yourself <laughs> what's going on. And somebody told me to go to the SBA. So I did, and it was a very nice lady. Now, I just need to back up a moment. I never liked school, because in my day, it was about memorizing, taking tests, and repeating what you read. And I always see shades of gray, so I did terrible on tests. (laughs) My goal was to have a D average and graduate. Thankfully, I, I lifted it up to a B average, but 
I read the catalog and decided I would just choose classes that were of interest to me. And I graduated with a degree in anthropology and archaeology. And one of the classes was Quechua language of the Incas. So when I graduated, I promised myself I would memorize one sentence so it would not be forgotten. Well, fast forward to the SBA many, many years later, the woman happens to say she's originally from Peru. And with a smile on my face, I said, my tata drinkai kukuyan. <laughs> she almost fell off her chair. Translates to where does this narrow road lead to? If you're yes. at the top of the Andes, <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> and then she gave me all kinds of business leads because I connected personally with her. You know, that reminds me, my grandma was a curator for the Southwest Indians. And she lived in Scottsdale, Arizona. She connected with the Hopi, Navajo, Zuni, and Apache tribes the most, but she learned about them, their languages. Like you said, she she tried to teach me Navajo, and I can only remember Yatahe Shahoni, and I'm sure that I did not pronounce that correctly, but I wish I would have learned all of that. It taught me a really good lesson exactly what you do as a top performer internationally. You have to get to know someone. I agree 100% with you. <laughs> they, they think we're all no good. <laughs> in fact, that's what happened at the first networking event in that city that I went to. I foolishly and actually, like I said, our worst experiences are our gifts in disguise. After being a highly successful salesperson and a successful trainer in the town where we raised a family because everybody knew me, we moved. And I went to the first networking event. I foolishly said, because I knew nothing about marketing and branding, I said, I'm a sales trainer. Well, two reactions happened. The men doubled over with laughter, thinking a girl couldn't possibly know anything about sales, let alone train. And the women ran off shrieking, thinking I was highly manipulative. And then somebody kindly came over to me and said, Eleanor, to establish credibility, you have to write a book. And that was the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey. Step A, though, the new technique of the time was to self-publish. And I did that, and I was so proud when it was finally finished. We went to a social gathering. Our friends got together for the holidays, and I cheerfully endorsed a book for each person, you know, put my name on it, and was proudly handing it out to each couple. But one couple ran into the kitchen. So I don't put up with this, as you know. <laughs> and I ran after them. And I said, oh, perhaps you didn't know I'm giving out a copy of my new book. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So the guy turns around and says to me in the nastiest of tones I've ever heard, well, if your book were any good, a publisher would have picked it up. Uh. I never let anybody get the best of me in person at any rate. No one ever sees that. So I smiled. And I said, you might be right. But in the meantime, the information's good. And I know you're going to enjoy it. I made it out to you. I signed my name. Here, take it. He couldn't refuse it. But all the while I was saying that, <laughs> I'm not so nice. In my mind, I was thinking, you can eat my dust as I was smiling. 
that was Saturday night. Monday, I went to another networking event in a different city. And I met a person who represents authors to publishing houses. I always pass things by my husband, but I knew this was it. I hired her on the spot. That's when Nice Girls Do Get the Sale was born. It broke all records. The first publishing house, Sourcebooks, said yes. And then all the records were broken. You are a relationship builder. That's the most important thing to you. That's the way that I feel. And your book, Nice Girls Do Get the Sale, did that come from your mom in a roundabout way? Yeah, I realized looking back many years later that my parents were the perfect training ground for sales. My dad was the motivational coach, and my mom always said, be nice to everybody, no matter who it is, and if they are mean to you, just smile and quietly walk away. So it was the perfect combination. I'm nice to people up to a point, and that's the only differentiator. But I try not to be nasty. <laughs> I cannot imagine you being really nasty. <laughs> Don't test me. <laughs> you know what? You're strong. Yeah. People think that if you're nice, that you're just stupid, that you have no intelligence. I remember one time when I was training someone in a class, and I, like you, I like being nice because I'm happy being nice. And when you're happy, it just kind of makes you glow. And I remember thinking that, I was really getting through to people. And she said to me, I bet you don't know anything about these skincare products, like this eye cream. And I said, oh my goodness, because I was involved in research and development. I wrote educational programs. We had to know everything about delivery systems and ingredients and how they mixed with each other. And so I said to her regarding the eye cream, I said, oh, you mean the double layers of phospholipids and how it traps pure molecular oxygen in there? And then it's delivered through a nanosphere. And I just went on and on. And she just looked at me like, well, I guess you're not stupid, but she was not going to give me that advantage. Well, yeah, I had an interesting experience that you'll appreciate. After I stopped being in corporate, I decided I would go out on my own. And community service was about how to sell yourself on interviews. Because my thanks for being a top producer year after year was to have my quota tripled and my hard-earned accounts given to the men. Every single job, didn't matter where. So I became an expert on how to get hired. And that was my community service work. One day I'm in the Mountain View at a bookstore giving a talk. And this guy comes in, turns out he's in IT. He said to me up front, I just want you to know, I think this is all crap. I came in to prove it to myself. So again, I greeted him with a smile. I said, you know what? I'm glad you did come in to at least hear me out and see if it is crap or there's some validity to it. Would you do me a favor though? And he said, sure. I said, please sit down and wait till everybody leaves after it's over. And then let's have a private conversation. And you tell me what you think is missing, how I might improve, or if you think it's really good. He said, boy, you've got a deal. 
So I gave my talk and it was a filled room. People were standing. Eventually they all left and he stayed as he promised. And he said, I owe you a big apology. That was right on wow. target. And then about a month later, I got a thank you note from him. And over, you know, many months, I got many, many thank you notes. And then in 2008, you know, the market fell badly. 2009, I figured was the right time to write Hired, How to Use Sales Techniques to Sell Yourself on Interviews. So all those crappy experiences in corporate gave me two books. When I talk to women about how if you are bullied, the thing that bullies hate the most is your happiness. But I see you do that naturally. What do you attribute that to? It's about having, like you have, a strong agenda for values and priorities, knowing where to draw the line in the sand and what you're not going to do. The first job, they were going to approach clients with this long, lengthy letter about the business equipment. And I said, that's not going to fly. Nobody's going to read it. I wouldn't read it. I'd throw it in the garbage. And they got really mad at me. <laughs> Anyways, I went to a card store and I got the funniest card with picture of the beach, beach blanket, umbrella. And I wrote in it, summer's coming up soon. I hope you have a wonderful time away. And when you are away, should you have our business equipment, I can guarantee I'll take good care if anything goes wrong my phone started ringing like crazy for appointments. Whereas they sent out that stupid letter and they got zero calls. Oh, I forgot to say I was supposed to bring letters ready to be mailed into the office the next morning, a hundred of them. Oh. The manager said, where are yours, Eleanor? And I re again repeated back the words. I said, you always say that our most valuable time is in the territory, especially morning hours. So I got everything ready the night before and mailed them so I can go out in my territory. And then my phone started ringing. Well, after a week, I had eight calls that first week to please come in and five men had zero calls. So they said, okay, come clean. What did you do? And I told them, I said, I told you up front, but you didn't want to listen. And then the other one that's really bad for women in corporate is the lack of equal pay, not even close. So I was advised to go on 100% commission. So I was doing great and the manager was complaining I was making more money than him, if you can believe it, because I, I was just selling like crazy. At any rate, the end of the year, the company was going to merge with another and we had to go on a base salary. And of course, the discrepancy was huge in those days. The manager said I, I had to come upstairs, sign paperwork that day. And he showed me what they were going to pay me after being the top producer of that company. And I was about to get real angry, as you mentioned. I could just feel my whole face turning red, which is unlike me. But it was so insulting. It was beyond imagination. Then all of a sudden, something hit me, and I burst out laughing, and I was the one doubled over in laughter, and he was turning red, and he started screaming at me, sign that, you've got to sign it now. I said, you know what? You almost had me. That was the best trick I have ever had played on me, and he got angrier, and I said, call me in tomorrow when April Fool's Day is over. 
And I got up and walked out. You are the best. (laughs) I love that you did that because that courage is a part of our five C's. Civility, courage, confidence, creativity, which is talent development, and communication. Communication is a lost art form, and you have it down pat. (laughs) It's a treat to meet someone who thinks the same way. You have no idea how rare it is. (laughs) Everybody would tell me in my social circle I had no right talking to this person that way or doing that to them or whatever. And it's like, who are you? I think that women think, I'm I'm going to get fired if I say anything like that. But I saw those situations that you mentioned. There was a company that I wore a couple of hats at. I was the global director of education, but I was also the regional director of sales. And then I even sold big accounts. So I saw people that were consistently making more money than me, but I also got a bonus based on what they did. I saw so many of these women at this company that were making over $200,000. They were just deflated because all of a sudden they had to go from being an independent contractor and accept the insulting salary as an employee. They're never going to make that same amount of money. It was so sad to see that they would just give up, that they didn't have another alternative because they didn't speak up. And if all of them would have done that, they probably would have remained as independent contractors. They were good. I worked there for three years and these people were, they had longevity. They sold well. And why would you deflate the morale at your company with an insulting base salary? And then the numbers beyond that, you couldn't reach it. Even sadder, it's still going on. It hasn't changed. Well, we still have to make a difference every day. (laughs) I'm working on it. (laughs) Together, we'll do it. (laughs) Eleanor, I know you had a near-death experience. Is there anything from that that you would like to share with our listeners? Because maybe that would help some of them in their traumatic stories. Yes. And actually, it's the cornerstone of my inspirational talks when you're able to speak on stage. I was the victim of two car accidents. The first one, I was in terrible neck pain from someone having rammed in from behind me about 60 miles per hour, it felt like, you know, at a red light. And I actually told the doctor I could feel my brain swing around inside. He didn't believe me, but I I felt it. And then I was in another car accident as a passenger. And the car made a left turn and slowly skid into a lamppost. That was all I needed. I said, you better call an ambulance. The ambulance came right away and they said, Mrs. Stutz, you better stay right where you are. We will get you into the ambulance. They knew I was in dire straits. I want to tell you about the power of positive thinking. This is where it really came into play. When I was in the ambulance, I thought, oh, my goodness gracious, my last ride was with my mother in the back of an ambulance. And I thought for a fleeting second, is this my last ride, too? And then I caught myself. I said, no, Eleanor, you're finally going to get the help you need because no doctor wanted to touch me. I went to a really good hospital. 
and the care was fabulous. <laughs> Brain surgeon, believe it or not, made a mysterious visit to that hospital and asked to do an experiment. Oh, yeah. Thinking, finally, I need an experiment on my brain. He uh, actually hammered a metal halo into my forehead with screws. Whoa. Thankfully, I was on morphine. <laughs> wow. And normally, they put five pounds of weight on your spine, but he attached 60 which is an enormous difference. And the instant he did it, I could feel my spine straightening out. It was a teaching hospital. When he told the students, their eyes almost popped out of their head when they heard what he did. The next morning, I'm heavily medicated, told I'd meet the surgeon. I expected words of encouragement. Instead, as I'm saying, sales skills saved my life. It was crazy. While I was waiting to be admitted, my family was in one room with the on-call surgeon, and there I was on the stretcher. And two visions came to me. One was in the form of a report card, and I had high life marks, but the right-hand side, completely blank, entitled community service. So in the moment, I said, yes, I will begin giving back to communities any way I can. That faded away. A second vision came up, and it showed a generic person standing on a mound, speaking to audiences far and wide. And in my mind, talking, I don't know, was the great beyond or to myself or what? It's for others to decide. And I said, <laughs> yes, I always wanted to be a speaker. That's exactly what I want to do and help people. But that figure looks like a man that has short hair. <laughs> so then I heard this deep voice inside me yeah. say, Eleanor, do you not believe that can be you? I said, oh, no, I believe that can be me, and I'm going to do everything it takes to become that person, but I'm a negotiator. I said, I need to be well and to walk out of this hospital on my own to be able to do all that good work, and I promise you, I will do it. During all those two visions, and a brilliant gold light encased my entire body. I've never seen anything like it. And it stayed there the whole time until that second vision faded and then the gold light faded. My family came out to greet me. They were in tears, just sobbing, knowing what was in store. And I said to them cheerfully, go home, get a good night's sleep. I'm going to be great. So they must have thought I was delirious. So that night, that's when I met the brain surgeon. The next morning, heavily medicated, and I'm expecting words of encouragement given what was happening. I already had a business plan in mind that night. Instead, I hear the surgeon say to me after being heavily medicated, Mrs. Stutz, when you wake up, most likely you will be paralyzed. And being in sales, I heard most likely as translating to, you're not going to survive. But given those visions... I shot back with every ounce of energy left in me. Doctor, when I wake up, I fully expect to be well. And the last thing, believe it or not, that I remember was him jumping backward. He couldn't believe someone about to be cut open would speak back to him that way. Hours later, he was standing over me and he said, Mrs. Stutz, there's no rhyme or reason for what happened. I can't explain it. But in four days, you will walk out of this hospital. Then to confirm everything that I saw, the entire medical staff on duty came to visit me and they were all referring to me as the walking miracle. It took me years to figure out what happened. But there's a part B to the story that I never shared publicly. And I only recently, before COVID broke out, shared it with a couple small groups. We moved once again to a small town 
there was one person in town that I knew and she was having a birthday party. So she invited me to the party at a restaurant and I was thrilled to go. I walked in, everybody's talking, nobody wants to accept a newcomer. So there I am by myself and all of a sudden this Asian lady comes over to me and says, are you well enough? I said, yeah, how do you know? She said, oh, that's not important. I'd like to talk to you. Will you sit down? I said, sure. So start talking and turns out she's a doctor. And she first words out of her mouth, I never told a soul about that bold light because they'd all think I was crazy or high on drugs or something. I never met her before. She says to me, you Americans are so ignorant you have no clue that after a very severe accident, your cells and your bodies start banging against each other so vigorously to oh. try to heal itself that they produce a very gold, brilliant gold light. And that's what happened to you after your accident. Um, Elio, it was my turn to almost fall off the chair. I'm the professional businesswoman. And I, I didn't even ask for her card. I, I was just stunned. It was like a bolt of lightning struck me and she walked out. So the next morning I called the birthday girl and I said, I don't know what happened, but this woman explained to me uh, a certain portion of my injury, what it meant. And I forgot to ask for her business card. May I have her contact information? And she said to me, Eleanor, None of us knew who she was or why she was there. And she left without saying a word to any of us. We don't know, we don't know her. So no matter what you believe, and I do happen to believe in God, it's a remarkable situation. I honor that and I cherish it because it's just a matter of faith. And you have to start with having that power of faith within your own self. And I feel so grateful to be talking with you. I appreciate this conversation today. Are there any last words that you would like to say? Own who you are and know what you will accept and not accept. And when it's between you, your life, and someone else, you choose your life. You stand up for who you are. And it took me years to be able to share that story. Unfortunately, I had the pleasure of training with Les Brown, the renowned inspirational speaker. He heard my story, tweaked it so the delivery would be wow. right. And it stands, it earns standing ovations every single time. So I owe him a lot. But the point is to be yourself and not let anybody stand in your way. Just be strong, smile all the way, have a coat of oil all over, if you will, if you're being used as target practice, and keep moving forward. That's my ending advice. Thank you, Eleanor, for being on Bully Buster today. I appreciate being your guest. It was such a treat, and your stories are remarkable, too. How truly grateful I am for Eleanor Stutz to be my guest on Bully Buster. We really formed a true heart-to-heart -heart connection. I'm so thankful that she shared her hard-earned relationship-building skills and service contributions. She has had such determination and enthusiasm for life that she defied her clinical death by adding even more love to our world. Here are my takeaways from Eleanor Stutz. Number one, follow your instincts without fear. 
and choose to be a pioneer or explorer or a person who initiates change or even all three. Number two, give them candy. (laughs) When Eleanor was confronted by an angry guard with two guns, she got candy to give him. He teared up because no one had ever given him anything. Don't work from the top down. Work laterally. Treat the guards, receptionists, and CEOs with dignity and respect. And be genuine. That's how she got her foot into the doors of top companies. Number three, never allow anyone to count you out. Eleanor's dad said, you're the only one who has to believe you can achieve whatever your heart desires. Her mom also told her to be nice. That's really good advice. Number four, match the efforts of bullies. This is unique. The training from bullies, Eleanor said, works to your advantage. Listen, observe, and you're not going to believe this. Ask them questions. Then you can notch up their efforts to a level beyond the bully's reach. You can find more information about Eleanor at our website, bullybuster.us slash nicegirls. Thanks for listening to Bullybuster. Please subscribe and overcome obstacles and bullying with our triangle of triumph. Until next time, I'm Rhonda Orr. Let's build civility for a new generation. Go to Rhonda's website, bullybuster.us, to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. That's also where you'll find information about having Rhonda speak at your event or school. It's all at bullybuster.us.